Welcome to another Regeneration Newsroom end of year review with Ethan and myself, where we're going to be looking at 2019 and 2020. Welcome back, Ethan. Great to see you, Kun. Looking forward to this review. So we're going to be in a minute, we're going to be looking at 2019, what happened um, and what we're looking forward to in 2020. But as everybody can see, as we're sharing a screen, we have something or you have something very exciting to to share with us. Can you walk us through the regenerative agriculture industry map 1.0? All right. So this is something I've been working on for the last nine months. Gathering all of the different organizations, I think I've got 159 that are working in the regenerative agriculture industry. Wow. And I decided to do this in order to basically help me see everything. And then also I realized, wow, it would be great for the whole community to be able to see itself. And so I just started collecting names, putting it in a spreadsheet, getting bits of data. And then I got kind of stuck because I thought, who am I to judge what is and isn't regenerative agriculture, <laughs> right? We've talked about this a lot. The light version, the heavy version, the dark green version, yeah. Exactly, and so I thought, I thought, you know, if I put something out there where it's just me judging who is and isn't regenerative, uh, it's gonna be rather controversial. Um, and so I decided to take a, a slightly different tack to figure out um, who would be on this map. And I took a, a simple, objective criteria. I said, who is using the term regenerative agriculture in their public facing communications? And maybe that's overly simplistic and it definitely allows some entities onto this map that I don't agree with how they use regenerative agriculture. Uh, I don't think they're actually doing regenerative agriculture, uh, but at least this is objective and clear and it's if you are using it in some form of public communication uh, and I was able to find it, then I put it on here and I also put in the first year I could find both from my tracking over the last decade, but the first year I could find that you used that term. Which makes it so interesting. It's not just a static map. It actually shows the, the movement or the development better, but to put the development of the, the sector over the years. So, exactly. And, and we're definitely going to link below in, I'm, I'm pointing below, but below in the show notes, a link to the article you wrote on this and on the methodology and, and why you did certain things, which I think is, I had a chance to read the draft version, extremely interesting. And I think a lot of people would really enjoy diving deeper into it. But now I think without further ado, we would love to see the map. <laughs> okay, one last thing. So the map will sort of go from one side to the other of years, like how long has an entity been using uh, the term regenerative agriculture. And then there's also a vertical axis, which is just a really rough sense of financial scale. So is this a small entity that's doing, you know, less than a million a year? Is it kind of mid-size that's between a million and a hundred million? Or is it one of the larger organizations that's really working at a financial scale of a hundred million or more? Those are somewhat arbitrary divisions and, you know, there's not specific detail for each of them. I just wanted to get a sense of how things have been developing over time. Uh, and I think there'll be more detail to that in the future. And all of this was uh, from what I could find publicly and through personal communications on some of the organizations. So here goes. Oh, that's the wrong one. Here is the regenerative agriculture industry map. 
so as we were discussing, it starts yeah, it starts starts back at 2005, and you can see going through time all the way up to 2019. Uh, you can see these different. Uh, oops, <laughs> you can see the different financial scale from greater than 100 million to between one to 100 to less than a million, and then to an undisclosed. So there's a large number that are undisclosed, and then the different colors are these five different entity types that I uh, selected, sort of categorized those that are working on the investment side, those that are actual farms, those are service organizations. So there's a, this is a big clump of consultants and educators and media organizations and basically anything that doesn't fit anywhere else. Basically everything that, yeah, that doesn't fit in the other category. And then there's CPG, you know, or retailers. There's, I think, just one retailer on here, but CPG or retailer and then in the nonprofit sector. And I guess I should say that nonprofit and service organization overlap significantly in the actual functions. Uh, just one's for-profit, one's not-for-profit. And, and what's your goal with this? What, what do you, I mean, as, apart from doing a huge gift to, I think, the sector and anybody that wants to learn more and, and see who they should reach out to, um, try to intern, try, try to work with, try to invest in, etc. But what's your, what's your goal with this? Well, one thing I was thinking is that there's a huge buzz and hype about regenerative agriculture right now. Uh, and I wanted to give some sense of where it's come from. It's not just a quick thing that popped up all of a sudden. There's some organizations that have been working with the term all the way for more than, you know, almost 15 years now. Uh, and there's a little, yeah, there's a little note, an interesting here, thing that I'll say about the Rodale Institute because they had a much earlier usage as well as a couple other people back in the 1980s. Um, but mostly it was silent until, you know, Regrarian's uh, from the permaculture community, Gaia University, Terragenesis, um, a company that I founded, started using it. Uh, the carbon farming course we did in you know 2009, we did workshops in regenerative agriculture. 2009, uh, Joel Salatin at Polyface. These are some of the earliest, earliest usages that I was able to track. And then there was sort of a, a slew. It was interesting to see that the uptake. There was really this uptake from the investment community, biological capital, Ammonia LLC. Um, really picked up this idea of regeneration quite early, back in you know 2011, and then there was a slew of other investment organizations that came on early, along with a group of not-for-profits, especially Holistic Management, Savory Institute, Kiss the Ground, uh, and and that I think that sort of combination of the investment community, then this big chunk of nonprofit community really started to seed a lot more. You can see the green, the sort of CPG space started picking up around that time but then grew significantly to the point where you know 2016 2017 2018 there's more and more and more of these uh cpg you know consumer packaged goods players and the scale financially increased significantly so um you know lush was a really early adopter back in 2013 2014 of regenerative agriculture uh, but then really 2016 onward, you saw Danone, General Mills, you know, Gaia, Caring, Earth, which just Caring I mean, Fisher, yeah. right, this sort of financial, uh, sorry, the, the fashion and clothing industry coming online. So there's this real movement into the broader CPG space that has then in turn, I think, driven a lot of the excitement we're seeing uh, out in the world in the consumer eye. And, and so what, what does the community... Um, people listening to, to this podcast are, are looking at it 
um, what shall we do? Should we comment? Should we uh, get involved? What's your, what's your uh, angle with this? Well, first, just enjoy and see your organization that's on there or maybe not on there. I should definitely say this is version 1.0. It's a draft. There are likely mistakes. I'm sure there are groups that I left off of here. Um, although, Kuhn, you looked at it and said, oh, I'm seeing some new things on there that I didn't know about, which I think is a, a good sign. Um, Definitely but, new you know, names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm if your organization yeah. is not on here, I'm, I apologize and just send me a note and we'll get it into the next version. If I've gotten the year that you first used it wrong, I apologize. You know, please uh, send some documentation of the earliest year you used it and I'll you know, shift it. This is a draft. This is for community development. Um, and yeah, just contribute. I, I think there's a number of different ways that I want to move this forward, which I can talk about in a minute. And this will be outlined in the, the Medium post where I um, share the methodology and everything I'm saying here as well. Um, but there's, there's, there's new directions we can go now that we have this relatively objective look at things that also gives some information. There's sort of, there's more we can do in the future with this. I think it's extremely exciting. I think I had a, a number of conversations over the last months of people said we need we need a map. Uh, maybe some people are saying we need a map on just farms, we need a map on investments, we need a map, but probably actually we need an overview overview map of trying to at least capture most of the whole space and see since when people are uh, or these organizations are actually talking about it. Doing obviously is a different thing, but publicly mentioning I think it was a, that there was been a big breakthrough in the methodology to, to get this together. Yeah, because you know what, it really, even though it seems sort of simple, what I realized is it actually takes, especially for these larger organizations, for them to put regenerative agriculture in public facing communication, it means that they did think about it. It means that they looked at the definitions yeah. that were out there. It means that they looked at the community and they still, even up to the highest levels of the organization, had to get approval to use this term and put it forward as something important. So it, it became clear to me once I started to make that shift that it is non-trivial to use the term and that it does actually mean something that, that people Yeah, are absolutely. Not, not to give too many teasers for the, for the podcast, but I will record a small um, episode with a, a very large, very traditional wealth manager managing, I think, over 1.2 or 1.3 trillion and they are starting to use soil health as uh, actually when they engage with public publicly traded companies. And they're probably the first to do that. And they see now that others are internally and discussing with them, like, how did you do that, et cetera, publicly not saying it yet. So you see that that publicly mentioning, especially in large organizations, is a is a huge hurdle that they need to take. And once they've done it, obviously, we can we can hold them accountable, which is great. There's a couple other things I just want to note about the work here. Um, We're on a very tight schedule, I think. I know, I know. So you can see this is a great little graph wow. that just shows the number of entities that have started to use the term in green and then the cumulative total over time. And so like I just want standard, to point out... The standard uh, exponential growth curve I see in the index. Yeah, we got a little hockey stick, except this very interesting thing, which is in this year, in 2019, was like a significant drop in new entities using it. So I'm very curious about why that is. Um, and I have some theories that I'll save for another time, but I just wanted to kind of 
point that out as a whole, that there's, a, there's an interesting thing that's happened this year. And I'm curious other people's thoughts on sort of why that is, that there's, there's less new organizations. And, you know, if you look back at that uh, initial one, there's less of the larger, you know, mid and larger scale organizations coming in this year. So I think that's interesting. The other thing that I want to point out um, is a shortcoming. It's a nice uh, entity type split, actually, if you look at it. Yeah, except there's a shortcoming. The farm uh, you mentioned area first, yeah. is underrepresented. I had a hard time capturing and you know finding all of the very, very, very large number of farms that are now starting to say, hey, we use regenerative agriculture, partially because a lot of farms don't have a website where they're posting that they're using regenerative agriculture, and it's just growing so quickly, especially in Australia, in the Midwest of the United States, there's a lot of farms starting to use this term. So we need to reach out. If we're, we're a farmer, if you know a farmer, a farm, uh, a group of farms that is using regenerative agriculture publicly, make sure uh, Ethan knows about it so we can get this 21 up. Yeah, and I really, I wanna, exactly, I wanna build it out. I think there's probably 100, 200, maybe even 300 farms explicitly using the term. And I really want to grow that in upcoming versions. Of Great. Absolutely amazing. I am switching gears to the looking forward and looking backward of 2019 and 2020. I think I'm looking forward to how this develops in 2020. Um, but if you had to pick one thing of 2019, if we look at this year, which um, has been extremely busy, I mean, you can see it in the, in the graph here. Uh, what, what would you look back at this year as a, as a highlight or as an important key moment where maybe years from now we'll look back and say, wow, yeah, I remember that moment in 2019. I think that the Natural Products Expo West this year, or, you know, early 2019, there was some significant movement and announcements from large organizations from General Mills, from Danone, uh, who really put out very strongly, we're doing regenerative agriculture. General Mills committed to a million acres into regenerative agriculture by 2030. Um, this was a sort of watershed moment of not just larger organizations um, starting to use the term, but getting out there, making public commitments, launching trials, you know, with not just organic, but conventional farmers really, I think, is driving both the consumer awareness of and excitement about regeneration, but also helping to build the supply and actually, you know, develop technology develops support systems for regenerative farmers around the world this seems like a really big thing that happened in 2019 how about you yeah, for me it was actually the the moment we uh, for the first time met was at an event in oakland where it seemed like the whole sector was together and we recorded actually a, a short um, a short looking back at that event but i think the event the um, regenerative in food system investment forum um, the end of September, beginning of October was, was a watershed moment, not because um, there were 60,000 people there or because there were enormous um, announcements, but because it seemed like the whole sector or a big part, like let's say 90% of the people that are working on this space on the financing, the investing and regenerative agriculture and food were in the same room. And it was very, it was a, an, quite an anonymous hotel room in the Marriott, but the, the electricity in the air was... Uh, was extremely high and to have uh, from Dan Kittridge to John Kemp to Danone to, to General Mills all in the same room. People from New Zealand came over, people from Europe, obviously. So that was for me definitely a highlight. And a few others were 
some media things actually. Zach Bush with the whole glyphosate discussion had a breakthrough and probably will have many more. I just saw a piece on Joe Rogan, a huge podcaster, um, where they discuss regenerative agriculture, savory and holistic management on from the food and medicine side of things. Very interesting, very short piece. But so it seems like together with the biggest little farm that came out and it's actually here as well. Um, it seems like also on the media side and on the, the, the consumer side and on outside our little bubble, um, this this whole idea of soil, region ag, region food, food as medicine um, is starting to to really catch on. So I think it was an extremely exciting year for, for those reasons. And what are you looking forward to next year? I think what I'm most excited about is the intersection between regenerative agriculture, which we both follow and love, uh, but that intersection with regenerative business, the rise of not just doing regenerative agriculture in the supply system, you know, helping farmers do better on the ground, but then actually taking some of how to think about a business and doing that in a regenerative way. That's been growing this year with the Regenerative Business Summit, uh, with interest from many different organizations. So I think as regeneration as a paradigm starts to get into business, and investing, that is uh, an important thing that I think is going to happen and, and have a larger stage in 2020. What about you? Very exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, keeping it very close to home. A transition finance series that we have been planning for a long time, actually very much focused on farmers. So farmers that have um, done the, the, the pilots, have read the books, went to the courses, done the, um, let's say, landscape scale a redesign of their farm but they are on very thin margins. So they're missing appropriate transition finance to speed up their transition. And we are actually recording at the moment the, the first episodes where we take uh, a farm in Germany um, and a farmer will be my co-host, Benedict Bösel, where we're gonna basically take his case, which is a thousand hectares, relatively large, especially in Europe, and go to a number of uh, practitioners that are in the space of financing uh, in regenerative agriculture and food and say, okay, this is the case. How would you finance this? Um, and how would you finance it in a way that makes sense for soil investor and obviously farmer? So it's going to be a very practical um, learning journey which we're going to share through the podcast. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to that learning journey and see if we can find appropriate finance, in this case for Benedict, but obviously a lot of principles which should apply to many, many other farmers around the world. All right. Well, looking forward to 2020. Thanks, Kuhn, for uh, hosting and producing the podcast this year. And I think a lot more good is going to come. Yeah, thank you for, for, for the map, for the, the different newsrooms we did, for the different overviews. And uh, I'm looking forward to next year. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.